This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. The seven wonders of the ancient world hold an air of mystery. Marvels of antiquity, most were destroyed. Find out how on 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we investigate topics, people, places, and history of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. I'm Elise Willems. I'm Jessica Vasami. Today, we are talking about the seven wonders of the ancient world. A long time coming for Jess and me. We are excited about this. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're just curious. And you might not think this is morbid, but we'll get to why it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and these wonders are the Colossus of Rhodes, and a statue of the Greek sun god Helios. The Great Pyramid of Giza, the tomb of a pharaoh. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, a remarkable engineering feat of horticulture. The statue of Zeus of Olympia, a giant statue created by a master sculptor. The Temple of Artemis at Ephesus, the first to be made entirely of marble. The Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, the Tomb of a Ruler. And the Lighthouse of Alexandria. These are all places I have not been, yet I so badly want to go to. <laughs> yeah, know. Most so. of them I guess we can't go to now. Just True. the rubble of where they were or if they were. But I just find this so fascinating because like we can't get this back, people. We can't, which is yeah. so, so sad. Yet, like, we build such great things, humanity, but yet we c- crumble them and tear them up. Well, some of it is just Mother Nature, but also we ruin a lot of things. Yes. It's the equivalent of a toddler who builds something out of a stack of wooden blocks and then just brings up a fist and smashes it. Yeah. You know, for very similar reasons, whether it be pride, anger, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But now with all of humanity's achievements, you might be wondering how these specific seven monuments earned the moniker of a wonder. Well, it all comes down to reputation. Yeah, why were these so special? Well, think of it like a word of mouth campaign spread by the Hellenic travelers who made their way across Babylonia, Persia, and Egypt in the time of antiquities. These travelers and explorers, they made records of what they encountered. They did this through poetry, art. They even made like travel guides for each other. And so that, you know, wrote a little bit of a journal of like, you know, saw the lighthouse of Alexandria, five out of 10. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like Lonely Planet for the ancient world. Thank God for these travelers. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. But one of the historians was Herodotus, the granddaddy of antiquity. He was a writer, a poet, and a philosopher. Herodotus marveled and wrote about the seven wonders of the ancient world. If you need some brushing up on your history class definitions, antiquity is basically a term that also means history. And antiquities are objects or buildings or things from history. Classical antiquities stem from between the 8th century before Common Era and 5th century after Common Era. So what about this chunk of time is remarkable? Elise, you tell me, why should I, an internet podcaster, care? You shouldn't. You should only care about Bitcoin and NFTs. I figured. (laughs) Not important. Um, No, during this time in antiquity, the Greco-Roman Empire was having a a moment. Okay? It was fetch. I just saw the Mean Girls musical, so fetch is back. It was fetch. I love it. It was flourishing, dominating the Mediterranean basin, influencing much of Europe, North Africa, and West Asia. And, And they spread art. 
uh, society, philosophy, education, government, plus Latin and Greek languages across Europe. And much of this cultural spread happened because when you conquer a nation and absorb it into your empire, it becomes a lot, uh, a lot easier to travel from your pre-existing land to your new land. Yeah, when you impose your will on people and say, this is mine now, you can access it a lot more easily. As Alexander the Great conquered his way through the Western world in the 4th century BCE, he introduced his fellow Hellenistic travelers to the Egyptians, the Persians, and the Babylonians. These travelers were so impressed with what they saw that they began to make a detailed list order to remember. The ancient Greeks called it theamata, which means sites or things to be seen. Later, they integrated the word thaumata, which means wonders. It was the original top 10 list. The, you know, made, they made a letterboxed. That's a good way of putting account. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you might be asking yourself why when this podcast is about morbid stuff or, you know, me and Elise talking about the ancient wonders of the world. One word kind of encompasses it, and that is loss. Right. And we touched on this, but there's something that's so tragic and sad and just existentially depressing about the fact that we just can't have nice things. Right. (laughs) Humanity as a whole, like things don't last forever. Nothing lasts forever. But you can't talk about these things of myth without recognizing that with their destruction, their loss, we lost so much history, so much culture. Like there's a death that comes with it mm-hmm. that we can't get back, you know? Oh, yeah. And maybe we'll encounter some morbid facts along the way. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into it. So starting in ancient Greece on the island of Rhodes, once a former maritime stronghold, it's known today for its sleepy resorts and historical landmarks. On the northeastern tip of the island is the city of Rhodes. Rhodes was a mercantile republic and its large navy defended the entrance to the Aegean Sea. This made Rhodes incredibly powerful and influential. I think that's often the case where if you control the water, the ports, you get the power. Yep. It is also thought to be the home of what was the Colossus of Rhodes. Badass name. Mm -hmm. And one of the lost seven wonders of the world. Because when I think of Colossus, I think of the video game Shadow of the Colossus, which is just a bunch of giants that you're (laughs) fighting. And yeah, you think like, oh, there's this giant thing. Yeah, yeah. But before the Colossus of Rhodes was destroyed and ultimately lost to time, the uh, politically neutral city of Rhodes would find itself in the middle of a war it wanted nothing to do with. Yeah, like I said, Rhodes controlled this entrance to the Aegean Sea and it made it this center of commerce and trade. And they had this agreement with the surrounding empires that they would be neutral because it was in the interest of commerce. But Rhodes did have one close ally, Ptolemy I. Ptolemy I was a a Macedonian Greek general and Alexander the Great's successor. His empire was located in neighboring Egypt, and it was a direct threat to the king of Macedon, Demetrius Poliocetics. Demetrius was paranoid about how Ptolemy was buddying up to those in power in Rhodes and thought there was a chance that they might gang up against him and stage a coup. Demetrius, not very pragmatic at all, decided to get out (laughs) in front of the problem. He was going to attack Rhodes, forcing them to abandon their loyalties to Ptolemy. But Demetrius could not afford to have Rhodes become a base of operations for Ptolemy the First Navy or really afford to have Rhodes provide ships to them So he's freaking out. And then these fears mixed with the fondness for robbery. Well, this just leads him to attack Rhodes. And maybe if he hadn't done this, he wouldn't have welcomed all this 
shit, <laughs> you know, back <laughs> at himself. But he kind of, <laughs> he kicked the hornet's nest here. Oh, and with an army of 40,000 men, Dimitri sailed into the harbor. Rhodes only had 6,000 citizens and an unspecified number of slaves who they promised freedom if they could prove themselves in battle. Yeah. And so Demetrius, you know, he built a structure called a Helipolis, which is a large uh, moving metal siege tower. At one point, his army breached the city walls, but all of his men were killed instantly. Mm -mm. And then after that, he just like kind of gave up. Yeah, this siege was a failure from the start. Ultimately, all Demetrius did was unify his enemies. Ptolemy I sent ships to Rhodes anyway, helping them fend off Demetrius's army for a whole year. Yeah, and then in 304, he abandons this, uh, you know, metal siege machine he's made. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he signs a war or he signs a peace treaty with Rhodes. And he claimed victory because Rhodes agreed to remain neutral in his war with Egypt. But that's how it was before. Always been. Yeah. So he just kind of tail between his legs was like, oh, yes, I will agree. Like he's just trying to save face, I think. Hmm. A few years later, Halpolis, which was still on the island of Rhodes, was melted down and crafted into a statue. The statue became the Colossus of Rhodes, also named after their patron god Helios. Construction began around 292 before Common Era and stood around 105 feet tall with a 50-foot high base. That's taller than the Statue of Liberty, just the base. And um, again, most of the iron, like Jess said, it was forged from that metal that the army and that war machine thing left behind. And it took 12 years to complete and it towered over the harbor. There was a theory that the statue's legs were mounted on two separate pedestals, creating a passage between that ships could sail through. See, we don't make these. This would be incredible to see nowadays. Yes. You know what I mean? People don't make shit with style anymore. We don't make this shit anymore. And I really wish we did. (laughs) Me too. Because that's so, it's like, it is like, do you know in Game of Thrones when they they get to that one point and there are like, Inspired by this, I'm sure, but the giant statues and Lord of the oh, Rings yeah. has this kind of, any grandiose Even like fantasy. The 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 first thing that came to my mind, I don't know if this is my child brain coming in, but it was like the never ending story. Oh yeah. Those two statues. I don't Yeah. God, yeah. But no, yes, everything you just said. We used to live like we were an epic high fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't anymore. Miss it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the whole thing of like the statue's legs were mounted separately, that's kind of been debunked because modern engineers think the statue would have collapsed under its own weight. However it was built, though, it stood for 54 years until 226 BCE when a massive earthquake destroyed most of the infrastructure on the island. The statue snapped at the knees and it fell onto the land below. Damn it. The damn earthquakes. I know. Imagine if it was still here, though. Oh, Okay. Ptolemy III offered to have the statue repaired, but the Oracle of Delphi told the Rhodians not to. They had angered their god Helios, and Helios destroyed the statue on purpose. Hmm. The statue, it just remained on the ground, fallen for about 800 years, and people would travel all over to wrap their bodies around the giant thumbs and climb on the bronze body parts. Yeah, I'd do it too. I'd do that too. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But the fate of the statue is unknown, and earthquakes wrought havoc on the island, destroying any remains. Some believe that the statue was melted down and made into coins. Some think wars in the area used up any scrap metal left. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this lost wonder of the world was a testament to Rhodes' strength and Demetrius's tomfoolery. It's most likely that the Colossus of Rhodes was picked apart, 
and maybe just spread across the ancient world. We may we may not even realize that parts of it are built into other things. That's true. Yeah. But now it's time to cross the Mediterranean Sea and into the early 26th century BC, where in Egypt, construction of the Great Pyramid of Giza is currently underway. The Great Pyramid would not only become one of the seven ancient wonders, it would become the tallest human-made structure in the world for 3,800 years. The pyramid is approximately 4,600 years old. It was built as a tomb for the pharaoh Khufu, who ruled in the fourth dynasty, the time in Egypt's history when most of the pyramids were built. The pyramid at Giza is massive. It stands at 481 feet high. Uh, It was originally cast in limestone, though most of that has been removed. So once that happened, though, it kind of shortened the pyramid a little bit. It lost about almost 30 feet which is interesting to think think about like, oh, it had this kind of veneer. Yeah. The pyramid was designed by Hemi Unu, Pharaoh Khufu's visor, nephew, and the highest ranking official in Egypt. Hemi Unu's tomb is near to Pharaoh Khufu's in what is essentially a graveyard of pyramids. But his tomb is a mastaba, which is basically a pyramid, but without the top. I wonder what that looks like. It just maybe flat. Just flat. Yeah. Pointed. And I don't like that. I want it pointed. I just I don't like that look. Well, how are how are the aliens going to see it from space? Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> if they if they can't see the point, God. Um, but yeah, it took an estimated forty thousand workers around twenty seven years to build the pyramid. And ancient Greeks thought that most of the workers were slaves, but a discovery inside a sealed portion of the pyramid changed that notion. And researchers now believe it was built by conscripts. Do you think there was some guy who was like, 27 years? I can do it for you in 26. <laughs> like, always trying to... Oh, boy. Anyway. Yeah. So there was this never before open part of Giza called the relieving chambers. Archaeologists in the early 1800s found these five sealed chambers that had all this red graffiti in them. And these relieving chambers exist so that way the structural integrity of the pyramid holds. Like, there's no way in, no way out. It's all just... Um, to basically hold the thing up. Mm -hmm. And the graffiti was all upside down or sideways. And it's believed to have been left by gangs, which are not gangs as we know them, especially when you tie graffiti to it, but more like groups Mm -hmm. who like artistically express who they are working for. Like they just wrote cool things about the Pharaoh. (laughs) Yeah, they were the original hype men. (laughs) Yeah. So it wasn't like this graffiti was vandalism because... You know, we the, the no way in, no way out notion, they did this graffiti as it was being built and then it got mm-hmm. sealed into the pyramid. Like nobody broke in and did it and no one got trapped in there. Yeah. Unlike the others, the Great Pyramid of Giza is not actually lost. No, it's basically the only of the seven ancient wonders that is still standing almost completely. It is one of my goals to go there. And yeah, I mean, you can head to Cairo to visit it. People are still trying to figure out its mysteries. But once I go, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll be the one to figure it all out. You try. I have a feeling that like we're going to be like, where'd Jessica go? And then look, and, and it's just on top of the pyramid. It's like, how'd she get up there? Look at that dumb white woman. What's she doing? Get down over there, Jessica. Always getting into things they're not supposed to be. Ugh. Wasn't it a thing where they like closed off? Maybe it was some other pyramids, but I thought they closed off the pyramid, the Giza for a while. They probably did, as in like going inside or just touching it in general. Because I think you can go inside, right? There are tours. Yes, I think so. But I don't. But you're right, because my dad went to visit back in like the 90s and he said that he went inside. But then another friend of mine went recently and they said they could. But but then again, I know that like sometimes there's construction or I don't know. There's some yeah. reasons you and can't go. 
I just don't think we should be trusted with any of this stuff. Oh, no, that's yeah, that's just for like scientific research. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people, you know, not not the yes. common person on a child goes in there with like a lollipop mm-hmm. touching things. Yeah. But thankfully, the science people are still trying to figure it out. In 2017, a Japanese research team found another sealed chamber. They named it the Big Void. And they used this radio technology and these nuclear emulsion technologies. And they found a chamber like this in, you know, you can't, you couldn't explain it why there was this big gap in the pyramid that measured about 90 feet across. No one knows what is in this huge chamber, completely unlike any of the others and located above the king's chamber. They don't know why it's there and why it was designed to, to not be accessible. I, I mean, I have to think it was probably, if it if it wasn't structural, or maybe they forgot about it, or maybe it was some kind of a religious thing, like, well, we should leave this space for a certain, like, a, a spirit to exist. I don't know. Maybe it was, like... <sighs> I mean, yeah, it's not accessible at all. Because I was like, maybe that is somebody's place to go to get away from everyone else. They're just like, this is my hiding spot. But it wasn't accessible. So maybe it was only accessible to other forms of spirits or, yeah, just other things. Maybe there was like a, you know, something along the lines of, oh, if the spirit needs a place to hide from evil spirits, they can go to this and they won't be found, you know. Yeah. Who knows, right? But um, that same research team, they were going to go back and then rescan it. But then COVID-19 happened. So we God. do need Jessica on the ground now. We do. I do need to be there. Absolutely. Call me in anytime. Yeah. God, COVID just fucked a lot of shit up. I know. I know. Um, but I'll be there. So don't worry, everybody. Um, but up next, we have the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which is basically a giant tiered garden wall with all kinds of foliage dripping from the sides. It looks beautiful. It's beautiful by the art. And from what we can surmise, it was built in what is now modern day central Iraq in the city of Hilla, the name Hanging Gardens, however, originally references the Greek word meaning overhanging. Going off of fictionalized paintings of the gardens, it was likely colored and uh, covered in olive and pear, fig and almond trees, also grapevines and huge palm trees. Just think of what like kind of heaven would be. And that I mean, that's a, that looks I'd be there in heaven. Yeah. I'd go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the gardens just feel like such a mystery to me, though, and everyone else, I'm sure there's um, the exact location. No one knows. Um, mm-hmm. And there are no surviving texts that say anything about them. Yeah, there's been no archaeological discoveries either. And there are three theories about their existence. The first, that they were totally made up by the Greeks and the Romans who had a tendency to romanticize that kind of thing. Second theory, that they did actually exist in Babylon, but they had been destroyed sometime around the first century BCE. But again, there have been no artifacts found anywhere. And third, that the Hanging Gardens are actually a garden of an Assyrian king built in the city of Nineveh around 625 BC. That would put the Hanging Gardens somewhere near the modern Mosul in Iraq. Or maybe they were built by King Nebuchadnezzar too. <laughs> Fun mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. As a tribute for his homesick wife. She missed the hills and gardens of her Midian empire, which was located in the mountains of modern Iran. Yeah, but there's no historical proof that this wife ever existed. No, he he was making up like a MySpace girlfriend. I, yeah. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. There's there's we don't know a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, plus, Hero Dutus didn't actually mention the gardens in his writings, and that comes from other people. Yeah, like did the gardens even exist? Oh. 
I wish. Yeah, they might be at the bottom of the Euphrates River, which mm-hmm. you can't excavate. Um, so no one knows where these gardens were, if they even existed, or why they were included in the travel guides that a lot of these travelers of antiquity, as we mentioned, wrote. Mm-hmm. And most think that the Hanging Gardens were probably a result of braggy kings who let the legend serve them. Oh, yeah. Like somebody mentioned, oh, I heard that your kingdom has these gardens and then they're like well i'm not going to correct them (laughs) yeah oh for yeah for sure yeah yeah if they did exist they might have been destroyed by an earthquake or fire or war but we'll never know when i when i think of the gardens i often think of the library at alexandria yes and just how much i know it's not a seven one it's not one of these ancient wonders but how much was lost the info the knowledge the yes everything oh boy yes geez i know yeah Moving on to the statue of Zeus at Olympia right after a word from our sponsors. Now on to the statue of Zeus at Olympia. This towering giant was about 41 feet tall and it occupied most of the width of the room it sat in. It was a big boy. And he's sitting, too. And he was big. <laughs> a very big boy. Yes. That's how I think of it, too. A big boy. Um, yeah. And the statue gave the impression that if Zeus stood up from the chair he was sitting in, he would blow the roof right off. <laughs> uh, Zeus, as many of you know from Marvel, was the god of sky and thunder, making him the king of the gods on Mount Olympus. Uh, and his statue made the Seven Wonders list in 2nd century BCE, and by then it was widely known around the ancient world. Oh yeah, ever seen Hercules? The scene where he confronts the statue of Zeus in the temple? That was supposed to be the statue of Zeus at Olympia, just so everybody knows. Oh man, Michael Bolton <laughs> Michael Bolton didn't mention that in the song. <laughs> See? And this statue was commissioned in the latter half of the 5th century for the Olympic Games. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unlike stuff we do now where it's like, oh, we'll build this cool Olympic village. They were, they said, we'll get a statue. The, uh, the Greeks rivals, the Athenians had their own huge statue built, uh, at the Parthenon. So in true petty fashion, <laughs> they hired, uh, the same sculptor to make Zeus. Love it. Love yeah. it. The pettiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was made of ivory and gold sitting on top of a wooden base. But again, as with most of the Seven Wonders, the statue was lost and or destroyed uh, at the end of the 6th century BC. And the only evidence that ever existed is written in descriptions and on coins, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Which, man, try unpacking a mystery just from like, oh, there's this coin that has this art on it i know so cool something they did was they constantly covered the statue in olive oil yes i do this to myself (laughs) yeah the oil protected the ivory from the marshy environment protected it from cracking like jessica's heels (laughs) Um, (laughs) the floor was covered in black tiles with a small marble moat around the bottom of the statue to hold all the oil yeah it's olive oil is Hefty. Our liver oil. Yes. (laughs) It also acted as a type of reflecting pool, which made the statue seem even bigger. And um, the base was covered in gold, marble, jewels, ebony, and ivory. And he wore a cloak made of glass that was engraved with animals and lilies. Or so we're told. (laughs) Yeah, or so we're told, but like, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Zeus also had on some golden sandals, gladiators, 
started a trendsetter right here, mm-hmm. uh, which rested on a footstool, which was decorated with the image of Amazon, Amazon Omaki, which was a celebrated nation of all female warriors. It is also rumored that the sculptor included an homage to the 86th boys wrestling team Olympiad, Pantarx, his beloved. On Zeus's little pinky, the sculptor carved, Pantarx is beautiful. Once the sculpture was complete, the artist prayed to Zeus and asked him if he liked it. He Mm. was like, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, allegedly a bolt of lightning shot through the temple and straight into the ground at his feet. According to a Prussian traveler, a bronze jar stood over the crack of the floor, in the floor where the lightning struck. So I guess that is a yes. Later in history, according to a Roman historian, the Roman emperor Caligula gave orders to remove the head of Zeus so that he could place his own head on top of the body. That tracks for Caligula. For sure. Emperor Caligula was assassinated in 41 BC before this could happen. But legend goes that his death was foretold by the statue of Zeus, who apparently laughed wildly until the scaffolding fell, burying the workers. This statue's doing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Just laughing wildly. Okay, so eventually the Temple of Zeus is sealed uh, around 400... Uh, after Common Era because the Christian Roman Empire banned all pagan beliefs. After that, historians are unsure of the statue's fate. One rumor has it that the statue was taken and brought to Constantinople, where it was destroyed in a fire in 475 AD. Another theory is the statue bit the dust, then turned to dust in 425 after a fire broke out in the temple. But the most widely accepted fate? Earthquakes, yet again. After the rise of Christianity, the temple was neglected. Yeah, man, the Christians ruined all this. They did, <laughs> and and earthquakes, but yes, Yeah, the but mostly the Christians. Because, yeah, it's possible that, you know, if people weren't maintaining it because the Christians were like, no, we don't mm-hmm. support this, that mm-hmm. it's not getting taken care of. And then there's all these earthquakes happening. And then the river Alpheus just kind of like absorbs it. It's getting, ero- you know, eroded by silt in it. Mm-hmm. And had we just taken care of it, maybe it'd still be around. Yeah, God, we see. Yeah, we just ruin a lot. But but people were building a lot in earthquake territory. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just always where the earthquakes comes. Um, but for our next wonder, we remain in Greece in the city of Ephesus, which is actually now in modern day Turkey. But in antiquity, it was part of the Greek Empire. It's here that the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus once stood. It was destroyed in 401, but unlike our other wonders, a little bit of this temple survived. It's just kind of the foundation, like little small scraps, but I think you can go visit it. That's really cool, though, to even see these small scraps. Mm -hmm. To know that it was there, too, you know? The temple looks like what you would imagine an ancient Greek temple to look like. A large rectangular structure surrounded by white columns. Now just a handful of those original columns are left sticking out of the earth. The temple's earliest iteration during the Bronze Era was not originally built for Artemis, but for the native people who lived there long before the Greeks. Yeah, eventually the temple went on to serve the Amazons, the, you know, all-female army that we mentioned, and they worshipped Artemis, who was the goddess of the hunt, also the goddess of wilderness, wild animals, nature, vegetation, childbirth, care of children, and chastity, aka a badass. Archaeologists determined the site was rebuilt three different times. So in the 7th century before Common Era, the first iteration of the temple was destroyed in a flood. And then, uh, you know, the floor of the temple was covered uh, with a half meter of sand. Mm. 
But even though the area was prone to flooding, it was obvious to historians that the original place of the site was very important. And every time it was destroyed, they just built on top of it again. Yeah, they didn't learn. <laughs> no, no. Um, when it was rebuilt around 550 before Common Era, it was made even bigger at 151 feet wide and 377 feet long, about 40 feet high. And again, they had those columns and double rows so you could pass through to the open air altar of Artemis. It must have been pretty impressive and majestic to see. Side note, um, but have you ever heard of the term herostratic fame? It's when someone commits a criminal act in order to become famous. It's named after this guy, Herostratus. Did not you know? No. Yeah, I did not know about this. <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing, but now I'm going to use it. Um, not much is known about Herostratus by design. Most believe he was a low-class citizen, a non-Ephesian, or a slave. In an attempt to gain notoriety, Herostratus set flame to the temple of Artemis, claiming that he wanted everyone to know his name. He was captured pretty immediately. <laughs> They were like, get him. And they got him. And they tortured him on the rack. Ultimately, he confessed to his crimes. He was honest because he was a fame whore. He was like, yes, I want. So the story goes, yes, I want you to know that. I Tell Cersei it was me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? no, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the Euphesian authorities did not want to give this man the type of day. <laughs> no, no. They, they just not only did they like execute him. But then they said, no, he just wants attention. Don't ever speak his name again or you will be killed too. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But non-Euphesians uh, who weren't scared to talk about him did write about him, though. And it's probably safe to say that Herostratus' plan worked, even if he didn't live to see his own quote-unquote notoriety. Makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy. Though another theory conflicts with the Herostratus one because it posits that the fire was actually lit by the priests of the temple, and then they used Herostratus as a fall guy. They mm -hmm. pinned it on him. Because the priests allegedly knew the temple was sinking, but that it couldn't be moved because the site was sacred. So they basically torched it for the insurance money. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Alexander the Great offered to rebuild the temple, though, but the Ephesians apparently said it would be improper for one god to build a temple for another. So they eventually rebuilt after Alexander's death. Which is, like, the fact that he had this god status, or they're like, mm -hmm. oh, you can't build this. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, get over yourselves. The third temple, bigger than the second, 450 feet long, 60 feet high now. They said, put on more columns. They had more columns. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. And this version of the temple lasted 600 years. Rumor has it when the Christians came in, ugh, everyone was worried that they would destroy the temple. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, they were right. They were 100% yep. right. Yep. So the story goes, the Apostle John prayed in the Temple of Artemis, conducting an exorcism of Greek demons. The Acts of John written in 2nd century BCE describes all of a sudden the altar of Artemis split in many pieces and half the temple fall fell down. I feel <sighs> like this is made up. <laughs> uh... <laughs> And even I just, of course, my mind went in a different, like, yes, I 100% I agree with you. And then it's like the exorcism of Greek demons as opposed to the other kind of demons. I don't know yeah. why you're talking in an accent. I mean, the way I think about it is I'm like, oh, man, they definitely wanted to, like, desecrate and destroy this temple. So they came yes. up with a reason for it. Oh, for sure. And supposedly the Ephesians were instantly converted to Christianity, many of them crying, screaming, praying, or just running away. Same. I get it. I understand. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the temple was officially closed when the Roman Empire began persecuting um, people who weren't Christian. Mm-hmm. It's like mid-5th century. After it was closed and the city became Christian, the name of Artemis was erased from all inscriptions. One final interesting tidbit concerns the goddess Artemis. The Ephesians were really proud of her and hated when people tried to take credit for her. Some statues of her survive today, depicting her as having many, many breasts. (laughs) (laughs) And some of these statues, they even like shoot water out of them in a spray of ancient breast milk. Like they were like, no, we need to take this up a notch. I mean, I'm I'm here for it. Why not? Mm -hmm. You know? Check out the Rooster Teeth store for our replica breast milk springs. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That would be awesome, though. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, okay. Next up, finally, something a bit more morbid sounding. A mausoleum. Specifically, the mausoleum at the Halicarnassus. Again, it's ancient Greece, now Turkey. This large tomb towered over the city of Halicarnassus. (laughs) <laughs> it's fun to say. At 148 feet high with a pyramid top. So not like that other pyramid for that one guy that was flat. <laughs> <laughs> it was built for Mausolus and his sister wife Artemisia II by their father, which if your name is Mausolus and you got a mausoleum built for you, that's a little on the nose. A little? This is a, a little joke. bit. This is obviously a yes, joke. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> The siblings couple ruled for <laughs> just make that, the make that siblings slash couple. Couple, yeah. Uh, you know that was a lot. That was yeah. the Greeks were known for the incestuous mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Uh, just in case you didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but the siblings couple, yes, ruled for twenty four years. Although, happy marriage. Yeah, happy, yeah. Although they were not Greek, they descended from the local people. Mazalus was just really into Greek culture. Yeah, like a white person that moves to Hawaii and starts calling it Hawaii. He was just really into it. Uh, He began to design his tomb referencing Greek uh, temples. And it would become so grand that language would end up using the word mausoleum to to describe any above ground tomb. Ah. Yeah. In 353 BC, Mausolus died, leaving his wife to rule for another two years until her own death. When he died, his other siblings, who he was not married to, (laughs) continued to build his tomb, which would end up housing 400 statues. Because his tomb was not finished by the time he died, the ashes of the couple were placed inside it unfinished. Mm -hmm. And as a form of sacrifice, a large number of dead animals were placed on the tomb steps leading up to their remains. Then the stairs were sealed off using stones. Very stinky. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, it's a good thing that got destroyed because it would have (laughs) stunk to open. (laughs) Uh, The mausoleum overlooked the city of Halicarnassus. (laughs) <laughs> for 16 centuries, even as conquests and takeovers destroyed the city around it. And again, a number of earthquakes brought oh the structure down. Yes. Earthquakes again. And by 1404 AD, only the base of the monument was left. And they took some of those stones and reliefs to uh, the Knights of St. John of Rhodes. And they, they put them inside a castle there, which is now in southwestern Turkey. Mm-hmm. And legend has it that... Uh, the knights went into the base of the mausoleum and found the room, which supposedly housed large coffins. They decided it was too late in the day to pry the room open, so they left and came back in the morning. Oh, boy. Big mm-hmm, mistake. Huge. Because mm-hmm. when they came back and they opened that chamber and they're like, oh, what a great you know, yawning. Oh, we had a good sleep. And now we're going to come back for those coffins. Psych. They were gone. Place was ransacked. The bodies were gone, too. Damn. 
Researchers in the 1960s determined that long before the knights arrived, grave robbers, we know about them, dug Mm -hmm. tunnels into the room and stole everything. And as we mentioned, the remains had been cremated, so that's most likely why there were no bodies found. The knights then ground the mausoleum into plaster to furnish their castle. (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. Thank you for nothing, knights. Um, And that only stood for three centuries. Three centuries. Okay, well... And last but not least, we have the Lighthouse of Alexandria. There's always a lighthouse. There's always a man. There's always a city. (laughs) Bioshock got it right. In 332 BCE, Alexander the Great founded the city of Alexandria on an isthmus across the sea from the island city of Pharos. And I didn't know what an isthmus was, um, but it is a narrow piece of land that connects two other pieces of land. So it's kind of like a sandbar. I wonder if the Bering Strait was an isthmus. Maybe. See, these are things we learned in school, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we we don't learn anymore. (laughs) No, we don't. Like, I know what a peninsula is still and a plateau. Just things like Mm -hmm. that, you know? Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, rumor has it the the citizens of Pharos were wreckers. And wreckers were people who went out to shipwrecks and looted the boats. But apparently Ptolemy I, remember him? was pretty sick of his ships getting wrecked. After Alexander the Great died, Ptolemy I declared himself king in 305 BCE, and then he commissioned this lighthouse, and it was his son, Ptolemy II, who ended up finishing it after Ptolemy I died. Mm. And as per usual, the lighthouse was gigantic. Oh, all this shit needs to be huge. Just huge. Everything's <laughs> just big as fuck. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was about uh, 387, 387 feet tall at its highest, and that's 82 feet taller than the Statue of Liberty, and it took 12 years to complete. Everything was giant, and it all took 12 years to finish. Everything. <laughs> like, I feel like yes. all these things, it's like 12 years, 12 years, yeah. 12 years. Yep. They got it to an art of like, can you do it for, can you do it in 11? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll do it in less than 13. All right, got a deal. Yeah. The lighthouse is made of three taping tiers with a lower square section, a middle octagonal section, and another pointed circular section at the top. There are four statues of Titan, the god of the sea, sat at each corner of the base with a statue of either Poseidon or Zeus on top. And the seaward-facing portion of the lighthouse is said to have had an inscription dedicated to Zeus. And at the top was a mirror, which reflected light out during the day. And at night, a fire was lit in a furnace at the top of the shaft. Legend has it the lighthouse was destroyed by the Byzantines. Uh, Story goes they sent over a eunuch it was kind of like an, an agent, an espionage, secret agent of theirs to loot the lighthouse. You know, if you don't know what a eunuch it is, it's a, usually a castrated priest. The eunuch went deep undercover, converting to Islam, gaining the trust of authorities, and getting a cross into the chambers. Allegedly, this eunuch did such a stealthy job that he covertly damaged the foundational structure, causing the lighthouse to collapse, and then quietly escaped in a nearby boat. Which, okay, I don't want to... <laughs> you know, stolen valor from this eunuch, but that all seems a little too convenient. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an action movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like Jason Statham is the eunuch. <laughs> oh, this lighthouse needs to collapse. Just like that. Yeah. Um, no, what probably happened is you guessed it. <laughs> earthquake. <laughs> There's probably another earthquake because my God, no one could build anything anywhere else. Um <laughs> There's 
it's suspected that there was one circa 796 ACE and another one circa 951 ACE. Yeah, and these two earthquakes caused it to crack. Then another earthquake in uh, 956 causes st- a structural collapse, and then another collapse in 1303, and then again in 1323. <laughs> Fool me once. <laughs> and that 1303 earthquake did the most damage, magnitude of 9 plus. Uh, which also hit the nearby island of Crete, and this caused the lighthouse to crumble into the ocean. The last stubbly remains of the lighthouse were lost in 1480 when the Sultan of Egypt used stones from the Carbon Lighthouse to build a medieval fort on top of it. Recycle, reduce, reuse. I mean, hey. In 1916, archaeologists found uh, remains of the lighthouse in the Mediterranean Sea, and then it was rediscovered in 1968, then discovered again in 1994. Because I guess it's like, you know, just it's hard to find stuff in the ocean. It really is. Yeah. Like, I, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And then in t- technology gets better and better and better. You know. Yes. Yeah. So speaking, yeah, using an underwater cinematographer, the uh, archaeologists were able to find the ruins. With them were 30 sphinxes, five obelisks, and carvings dating back to Pharaoh Ramesses II. Oh, I'd be so stoked to find something like that. Oh, man, it'd be so cool. One last note to end on. The word for lighthouse in Spanish is faro. And in French, it's fer, uh, deriving from the word pharos, which means lighthouse in Greek. Oh, I love that. It is fascinating to think about how our language today is a reflection of the ancient past, like pharaoh and mausoleum. And how the heck did people build things like this in ancient how times? Did you know what I mean? do it? Like, I know that they had tons of slaves, you know, like, well... They said conscripts, but like, yes, but like we make things nowadays are so simple or as simple as possible, kind of in its own way, but they just built these massive structures and I just don't know how they did it. We have advanced technology. I guess they had to use simple machines and techniques Mm -hmm. and stuff, but it's, it is so impressive. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they also reused ancient ruins and they would make look like structures and, and we do that too. We have, you know, Things that mimic the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the George Washington Monument in D.C. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a functional recreation of it in Disney World in Orlando. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. That I do like that they reuse it because why not? You should, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But yeah, those are the seven ancient wonders of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wish I could have seen them if they were all, I know some of them are real, but if they were all truly real, I would love to have been a part of it and seen it. If I could time travel, I'd go see him. Which one? Okay, Giza being the exception because it still exists and you yeah. can go to it. Which one would you have wanted to see? I think the um, the Gardens of, of Babylon. Just, I don't know. Um, that just sounds like incredible. Or the Colossus? maybe. No, uh, actually, oh. I, I think I was going to say the giant uh, statue of Zeus. I don't know. But all of them, I, I, how, how do you pick, you know? Yeah, for me, I, I agree. I think the Hanging Gardens, but for me also that Statue of the Colossus, though I feel like it's one of those things where you you would be so excited to see it and so, you know, oh, I can't wait to see this. And then you get there and all you can really see is its toe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get up, you're like, okay, well, I can't see the rest of this. So yeah. We, dro- we yeah. drove all this way to see the Colossus of Rhodes. And, but I see its damn foot. Yeah, okay. I can see is its foot. Okay. Have you seen those TikToks where people will go to see the Eiffel Tower? They'll they'll show themselves getting ready to go to Paris, go see the Eiffel Tower. Then they get to the Eiffel Tower and then you see them look at it and they're like, cool. And then they just <laughs> turn around and walk away. Not saying that these would be that, but I'm yeah. like, 
I, I would hope it wouldn't be like that. Because um, you mean they called it a mausoleum because his name was Molossus mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I think it's super beneficial, though. Like, of course, going to the Pyramid of Giza. Like, you need to go, and you have to know the incredible rich history of it, or yes. it's going to be just yeah, some some stones to you. And, and you have to contextualize it in the history, like we were saying that that they was so impressed that they did they did this. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, and again, how depressing is it that these things are all gone? I know. I know. It's really sad. I wonder nowadays if we were to redo them all. Um, oh, it would take minutes. <laughs> yeah. 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 God, we'd have. Yeah, a but list. you think of think of how long it takes for a skyscraper to grow go up. You know. That's true. But if we were to redo this entire list, so I know these are lost wonders of the ancient world. I wonder what ours would be of like this, our world now. Oh. Like what What would, if something completely, we became ancient times, what would ours be to this day? Yeah, that's a great, I mean, I automatically think of skyscrapers, I guess, just because they're some of the biggest structures in the world. The The geodesic dome in las vegas where you two perform oh totally i mean no yeah i mean just the architectural uh what am i trying to say architectural yes wonder and uh, and talent of what that is is you know just crazy i i think if we entered some kind of technological dark age where for whatever reason uh like technology is lost Mm -hmm. i think there's lots of things that future generations that don't have that would look back at and be like oh my gosh can you believe yeah they had this dome that projected images and yeah it is incredible I and I this is I I tell a few people this I might have even told you this I might have even said this on this podcast but I will repeat it there's a really shitty movie out there I like shitty movies and sometimes I get obsessed with them but it's called uh the time machine and it's with Guy Pierce Mm -hmm. Jeremy Irons is in it too have you seen it no I know of it though okay time machine yeah well, long story short, he gets in his time machine. He's in the like the early, I don't know, he's like in the 1700s and he builds this time machine back then. And so um, he's going into the future. He accidentally um, falls asleep. Don't ask me why you have to watch the movie um, and ends up going so far into the future that we have just started over again. Everything is like the... the um, yeah, it's like, you know, cave times exactly exactly and so he meets these yes prehistoric times and so we meet these like new people who are our you know early cavemen and women they're these new people and they live on the side of cliffs just things are a little bit different and so when he meets them they're just like he's like i'm from the before times and they're like oh let me show you something and they show him like rubble of stone and um like old signs that say like target and tiffany mm-hmm. and co and you know like walmart and he's like yes that is of my time he's from the 1700s but you know what i'm trying to say it's just like that was he's like oh, you're from the old times and they're seeing like old signs and stones that say target on them it's just so i don't know it's mind blowing for me I have never read H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. Do you know if this movie is an adaptation of that? I do not know that. I don't know. I, I've never read it and I've never seen a movie about it. Hmm. I feel like, let me Google it. Oh, yeah. Based on the classic sci-fi novel. H. I've never read it. I just, I've never. Yeah. Um. You know. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a movie. You know, I, I enjoyed it because I, yeah. yeah, you know, but anyway, thanks guys for listening to that whole spiel. <laughs> we would personally, me and Elise personally, would love your support. And if you actually go to 
mm.show slash first, you can actually directly support us. Um, and that would mean the world to us. Sign up for a first membership. It'd be super awesome. Leave us reviews. Share the show with your friends. That helps us too. That helps too. And we also have really, really cute merchandise at store.roosterteeth.com. And you can follow us on social, TikTok and IG at 30 Morbid Minutes. Jessica, I hope someday a time machine is invented and we can travel back in time together. I would do that. I would go with you. Well, I mean, yeah, of course you'd go with me. It's just a question of where we'd go. The where would we is go? Not, <laughs> I don't know. Probably like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, we would blow our one time machine thing on something inconsequential. Oh, God. That is us, isn't it? Yeah. Well, bye bye for now. Bye-bye until then. 